Orcas have been all over the news recently. A playful orca has cheekily splashed a man. Latest on the series Dozens of orca, orca attacks. Orcas, orcas are orcas. killer whales. Earlier this year, the story of orcas ramming into yachts off the Spanish coast kind of took off. Are attacking and sinking boats. Of a harrowing killer whale encounter at sea. People on the internet were calling them allies, hoping they would sink billionaires and making other jokes about orcas being behind the Titan submersible tragedy. Then there are stories of orcas ripping apart great white sharks and and antagonizing all sorts of sea creatures, from minke whales to porpoises. I found it fascinating that these hero and villain narratives exist at the same time, that these charming, silly, sympathetic animals could just as easily be cast as mean bullies. So to answer my question, I thought I'd ask some killer whale scientists to humor me in a game show I'm calling... Orcas, friends or foes? I'm Corinne Leong, and you're listening to Science Quickly. Ladies and gentlemen, sea enthusiasts and skeptics alike, welcome to this one-time and one-time-only game show. I'm your host, Corinne, and today we're diving into an exhilarating journey that will challenge your perceptions of one of the ocean's most iconic inhabitants. Are they allies or total assholes? Welcome to Orcas, Friends or Foes. For years, we've been fascinated by these magnificent creatures, but today we're delving deeper. We'll be speaking with scientists who have spent years studying orcas and know them inside and out. Are orcas truly the ocean's heroes? Or do they deserve the less flattering reputation of being aquatic troublemakers? On one side, we have Team Friends. They argue that these cetaceans exhibit complex social structures, possess remarkable communication skills, and live in tight-knit families that enable knowledge to be passed down through generations. On the other side, we have Team Foes, who point to instances of orcas displaying tyrannical behavior in their hunting and often fatal play. They argue that the ruthless nature of these apex predators has earned them a darker reputation. The game is simple. While our scientists won't be taking sides, they'll help us untangle the orca's behavioral track record to evaluate the true nature of these creatures and how we relate to them. Representing them, we have Robert Pittman of the Marine Mammal Institute at Oregon State University. Uh, my name is Bob Pittman. And Michael Weiss of the Center for Whale Research. Yeah, they're just, they're just the coolest. Up first, Team Friends. We'll start with a story from Bob. While surveying some whales out in Antarctica... I was wondering, gosh, I wonder if these uh, killer whales even know we're here. So uh, I made a, a snowball and threw it at one because they're swimming by right in front of us, you know, six feet away in some cases. The snow, he says, was so hard and dry that he could barely make a snowball out of it. So he threw it, and when it hit, it kind of just turned to powder. I didn't think that this adult female even knew what happened, but... She stopped instantly and kind of gave a little shudder and then sank. And I thought that was going to be it. But a piece of ice about the size of a basketball started moving through the still ice over there. And it came out into the middle of the channel. And then the same killer whale came up right next to it. And she bent her head down and flicked this piece of ice into the air. And she did this for about 10 minutes. And finally, she kind of got tired of it and swam off with the rest of her group. And I, 
You know, to this day, I have to believe I, I taught a killowell how to throw a snowball. Orcas are a lot like us. They're ridiculously smart and have an incredible capacity for social learning. They have a similar lifespan and reproductive life and social structures. Interestingly, they also have social trends just like us that can be seen as the equivalent of pickleball or cold brew. And I think the biggest parallel is they are a cosmopolitan top predator. That's Michael. That uses culture and social information to adapt to a huge variety of ecosystems, which is exactly what we have done in our evolutionary history. In the late 1980s, for example, an orca in Puget Sound was seen swimming around with a dead salmon on its head. Then other teen orcas started doing the same thing and it became known to scientists as the salmon hat fad, a fashionable summer trend that lasted all of six weeks. The fad this summer in British Columbia was playing with crab traps. Off the Iberian Peninsula, though, the trend of sinking boats seems to be sticking around with enduring popularity. Just this month, another boat succumbed to a similar fate after being attacked. They're like teenagers looking for something to do with their day off. Killer whales also live in highly complex social groups where mothers teach their kids everything they need to know. Moms who go off hunting will drop their babies off to roll around in patches of kelp, like they're at an orca daycare, which is just adorable. Both male and female calves stay with their moms their whole lives. And it's hard to overstate how strong these bonds are. J35, is, I think, has, is special to all of us. A few years ago, she, um, she had a calf that died really soon after being born. And we got a report that there was a new calf with her. And that was about an hour before we actually got on scene. And by the time we got there, the calf was, was gone. She then carried that calf around for 17 days. She kind of switched between carrying it around on her rostrum, so having it kind of draped over her rostrum, and also, you know, having a pectoral flipper or the fluke um, kind of gently, gingerly held in her mouth. I try to avoid using the human terms. I think she had lost something. Uh, you know, she had experienced a loss and for whatever internal reason was not ready to let go of the thing, like literally let go of the thing she had lost. Wow. Yeah. Their intricate social structures and their deep relationships with their family members, their ability to learn and play and experience, well, not joy and loss exactly, or we'll never know, but something akin to it. That's really beautiful. But now we're going to get into the awful stuff that might be a bit harder to get behind. It's time for Team Foes. We'll start with a story from Bob again, but we're rewinding the clock all the way to when he was a young biologist in the early 1990s, long before he saw an orca throw a snowball in Antarctica. This is the first encounter that got him interested in studying orcas to begin with. So it's early one morning off the Californian coast, and Pittman's conducting a marine survey. We hadn't quite started because it was a little dark outside. But then people on the bridge called down and said that there was a group of about 35 killer whales attacking a small pod of sperm whales. And uh, so we put down our coffee and ran upstairs and... Uh, and what he saw was this. The sperm whales formed a sort of wagon wheel with each of their heads pointed inwards while each of their tails slapped at the killer whales encircling them. Sperm whales would uh, ha 
form a defensive rosette. And this was pretty effective for quite a while, but it, eventually the killer whales started dragging members out. And then they were all attacked that one individual. So basically they'd corner one, pull it out of formation, and literally gang up on it like school bullies. Then other sperm whales would come out and surround the one that was pulled out and take it back into the into the formation. So you probably feel bad for the sperm whales right about now, but sperm whales are far from the only victims here. Occasionally, they'll just find a harbor porpoise and chase it down and play with it until it's dead. That's Michael again. These marine mammals they're harassing don't even eat the same thing they do, so it's not like it's a competition thing. and They're just kind of being dicks. In the Salish Sea in Washington State and British Columbia, orcas play a deadly game of throwing and catching live porpoises like a ball with each other for up to five hours, injuring, traumatizing, and often killing the animal, but there's zero record of them ever eating it. Pittman has seen this kind of stuff too. In Antarctica, penguins, they'll chase them around for a while and uh, knock them out of the water a few times and then just swim off. So they don't even eat the penguin. They just... Oh yeah, they... they Taunt them. Uh, quite often they will kill stuff and not eat it. Other times, Pittman has found penguin carcasses with just the breast meat ripped off. Killer whales are picky eaters with preferred cuts of meat. They've also developed a horrifying liking for whale tongue. And that's all that they'll eat and just let the rest of the carcass drift ashore. Or... And when hunting large sharks, they've learned to bonk them on their head to confuse them and flip them over, causing something called tonic immobility to happen. When the shark can't move, then... Somehow slit them open and uh, suck the livers out of them. Ugh, and there's more. In Western Australia, killer whales are known to intercept pods of migrating humpback whales. Humpback whales are much larger, about eight times larger, and so they target specifically the baby humpbacks. If they have inexperienced mothers, the uh, killer whales can come in and take a calf in less than a minute. One killer whale will zoom in front of the mother and distract her for a second, and uh, one will come from behind and grab the calf and off they go. The big male killer whale will hold the baby humpback by its tail and herd it away from its mom. And they want to get away from the mother because uh, she gets a little distraught. And then this is when they ram it from below. And that will kill it. And after all of that, they'll eat its tongue and leave the rest to the ocean. By the way, it, are, do you call them orcas or killer whales or are they kind of interchangeable? Yeah, they are. Um, weekend whale watchers uh, tend to prefer the term orca because it seems less negative. As it turns out, orca means uh, roughly whale from hell anyway, so uh, it's not a whole lot of difference, just sounds different. Hmm. Okay, so that's where we are with Team Foes. I think for me what really solidifies the orca's bad rap in these stories is how they go for the underdog. Like they gang up on these weaker animals, often just for the thrill of it. You know, we're biologists and not supposed to be taking sides on any of this stuff, but it was a, a it was an emotional whipsaw because we were pulling for the attackers, but we were also pulling for the 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 prey there. So, but here I think we get into the tricky question of whether animals are only sympathetic and lovable when we see parts of ourselves in them, or only when we see the best, most virtuous parts of humanity in them. There's the whole issue of measuring intelligence and the fact that we're naturally biased towards measuring types of intelligence that line up with our type of intelligence. Or our ideas of culture and social hierarchy. Like, 
wow, it's so beautiful that these orcas live in these matrilineal societies where moms make personal sacrifices to protect their young. That's heroic and admirable because it maps onto values that we, or at least in Western society, hold. And on the flip side, do we see these animals as bullies because we're projecting our value systems on them again? And something in our brain just so naturally wants us to sympathize with the underdog and loathe the predator. In fact, you know, I've worked I've worked with a number of uh, uh, natural history film crews and stuff, and uh, you know, they're they're not happy when when the killer whales are successful. They like the ones with the prey, you know, escapes. They like a good tussle, but then then they like it when when they calf gets away and uh you know it's it's giving people what they want i guess i think you know the more you think about it the more these two camps start to blur a little the dichotomy is anthropocentric it's not orca's fault that they're the apex predators and very good at it yes you know there's there's very few predators in the world that hunt prey larger than they are and uh for the most part those are pack hunters Killer whales can do this because they hunt cooperatively, and the reason that they can hunt cooperatively is because they're all they're all related. You know, they're helping helping their kin. They hunt the way they do because they're so communal and social. For example, there are whales in Antarctica that have developed a method for working together as a team to generate a wave to push seals off ice floes and then eat them. That's not something a whale could have learned individually. One whale probably figured out that they could make a wave. They recruited other whales to help, and then they've passed on this technique. What might seem like gang behavior to us might actually just represent these whales being smart about their hunting techniques. I have all these feelings about these whales and all these you know, thoughts about them, and I try to remind myself that it's essentially a parasocial relationship, that I am essentially watching their lives, and the way I feel about their lives is largely about me they're not they're not us they're not people they have they've got they've got layers they've got depth to them just like uh i think that kind of goes with the territory of being intelligent cultural animals so there you have it folks we've reached the end of our one time and one time only game show orcas friends or foes catch us next time for our regular programming on science quickly produced by jeff delvisio talika bose kelso harper and me corinne leong our theme music was composed by dominic smith <laughs>